everyone, welcome to the newest episode of Get Invested. We are titling this one Corporate Snacks because we are all missing our corporate snacks from all our tech companies lately. Um, today, uh, we don't have Brett and I. Um, we have A.L. Shmilovich, one of our managing partners. Again, I'm Ben Dunbar, one of the partners at Gerber Kawasaki. And um, A.L. works with a lot of clients in the tech space. And so we're going to spend today talking about some of these benefits and how to maximize them uh, as well as where we can save a bunch of money on taxes and you know it's 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 pretty wild because the behemoths that are these tech companies that surround us um, have actually hired over 1 million people over the past 20 years so that includes Facebook, Alphabet or Google, Microsoft, Amazon and Apple and and with that has come a lot of these benefits. Um, most importantly were the lunches um, that a lot of you get at these tech companies, which I know you're missing. I know some of them are sending you gift certificates for DoorDash and all of that, but um, I'm sure you're missing them. But as we continue this migration to work from home, uh, it less matters about what company caters the best lunches and it's going to be more about what some of these companies are offering as far as money benefits or compensation benefits. And so today we're going to be talking about um, some of the stock plans, a little bit of the differences between restricted stock units, stock options, and uh, the employee stock purchase plan. And then we're also going to dive into my personal favorite thing that a lot of the tech companies offer, which is the mega backdoor Roth. If you've heard from me before, you know how much I love the Roth IRA. If I had a tattoo, which I don't, it would be uh, a Roth IRA. And then finally, um, there's a lot of stuff you can do regarding donations, tax deductions, and gifts that a lot of these different companies offer. So we will get into all of that. And one of the first things, as always, we need to go over is disclosures. Um, we may be talking about individual companies today regarding investing, or we may be talking about some financial planning strategies these do not take these strategies that we talk about today and go implement them on your own. Um, they're meant just as general information, not to act upon. If you have any questions, this is what we do. This is what we can help you with. So please consult your advisor before making any decisions. So with that, I want to introduce Al and Al. Um, welcome. Glad you joined us on the Get Invested podcast today. And so why don't you. why don't you give yeah why don't you give us a little bit of little bit of your background before we jump into the nitty gritty. Yeah, thanks, Ben. Uh, happy to be here to get invested. Um, I'm excited to be part of this. Uh, so a little bit about me. Uh, like you said, I'm one of the managing partners here at Gerber Kawasaki. Um, you know, been here since we started the company. Um, I am very. I am. I co-founded the uh, technology group uh, at Gerber Kawasaki. Um, most of my clients are in the tech space. Um, and I love technology. Um, you know, my whole life, I've kind of been surrounded by tech and science. Uh, I, I kind of grew up, a, I'm not going to use the word nerd because I think it has a bad, <laughs> a bad <laughs> connotation. But uh, You're a nerd. You're a nerd. It's okay. Slight. It's not a bad connotation. Cool, You're cool nerd. nerd. Cool okay. nerd, as my uh, sister-in-law likes to call uh, uh, myself and my brother. Um, but yeah, I, I have, uh, you know, I do love the sciences. Um, you know, it's kind of one of the things that I studied a lot over my life, even though I ended up in finance, it was, it was one of my original passions that I wanted to get into. So now I, I work with people in the tech space. I work with people in the sciences. Um, and, and with that comes a lot of the things that you just talked about, Ben, which is these, uh, you know, these new corporate benefits 
um, designed to attract talent um, because the competi- the environment is so competitive for these companies. Uh, you know, whether you're going to Google or Apple or Amazon, everybody's trying to one up each other and, and give you the better offers. Yeah. What? So, what are you seeing most of 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 all like the different options, the different stock, whatever? What benefits are are you seeing more than anything at these different tech companies like Google, Microsoft, Facebook? Yeah. Yeah. So, so I think the you know obviously equity based compensation and you know that that encompasses a lot of them. We'll talk about um, is has become the bread and butter of these tech companies to to attract people to say, hey, you know, come work for us. Not only will you give you a salary and four hundred one k and all that good stuff, but also you know, let's participate in the upside of these companies. And with that comes, you know, stock options and equity-based compensation. But of all of those, I would say the one I've seen the most is definitely the RSUs or the restricted stock units um, has become the most popular way for uh, companies to to bring people on um, because they are, they are a bit simpler to understand than the options per se. And uh, <laughs> they, they give the company more of a tax benefit um, and they're also um, just, you know, they give you the stock versus like all these other complex ways that you can quote own the stock. So, so why, don't, why don't you walk, walk me through it? So you, you know, a client shows up to you is talking to you about their RSU. So what, what are these terms I see all the time? I know there's, there's vested, there's ordinary income, there's <laughs> all this, there's the grant. Like why, why don't you kind of walk me through just, just super briefly what, what yeah. some of those major, major terms me. Yeah. So, so grant very simply is just saying, Hey, you know, I, Ben, you started, you started working last week. Um, I'm going to grant you these restricted stock units. Um, and, and, and that is the date of grants. The vesting is, you know, the company is basically saying, Hey, you know, we're going to give you these things, but we're not, you know, we want to make sure you stick around. This is kind of the part of the, what, what, what is, is sort of effectually and ineffectually termed the golden handcuffs in a lot of places. Yep. Um, so they want to make sure you stay around. And so normally what I see is, is, is a four year vesting schedule, um, with 25% of that money vesting every year. So I give you a hundred thousand dollar restricted stock rent year one, you get 25,000 or, you know, 25% of those shares, um, that vest at that time. So when, when year one anniversary hits 25% of those shares vest at whatever the stock price is at that time. And once you receive those shares, that is automatically counted as income to you. So whatever the stock price is times the number of shares, that is ordinary income to Ben. Got it. And yeah, what's what's worked really well for a lot of these restricted stock units. I mean, I, I'll use Apple as an example because I have a few friends at Apple. Mm-hmm. You, you you maybe got granted a certain amount of shares, right? Yeah. And when the stock appreciates a few hundred percent, <laughs> Those shares that you granted, you know, they maybe didn't seem like that much three, four years ago, but they end up being a lot. And so um, you got to be careful in in planning for taxes because sometimes there may be some under withholdings where you don't pay enough taxes during the year or you pay too much. Right. So, yeah. um, And a lot of companies will will withhold the shares that you actually are granted for tax purposes. So let's say you got 100 shares that vested, um, you know, today. Uh, if you want, if you want to, it, when they vest or when you sell, they'll they'll withhold maybe you know thirty five percent of those shares for tax purposes to to kind of try to avoid some of that. Yeah, that makes sense. So, so those those are pretty simple. And 
I'd say really simple. There's a lot more to it, but we, we can't get too far in the weeds. That's, that's what we're here for. So totally. I, correct me if I'm wrong. I feel like the next big thing, especially on these big tech that people are asking about is, is the employee stock purchase program, the ESPP. Yeah, that's definitely, you know, so RSUs and ESPP are definitely the two big ones when a company is really big and mature, like your Apples and Microsofts and such. Um, and yeah, the ESPP is something that I see a lot of, um, it is, you know, it allows you to purchase the shares with your own money, much like you do with a 401k, you kind of defer a portion of your income to purchase the stock. And depending on what company you work for, it's usually something like a 15% discount or some kind of discount from the stock price, either currently or over a specified period. And sometimes they have what's called a look back saying, okay, whatever the, the lowest price was over the last six months or the average price or something like that, um, and then you can buy in at a discount. So we really like this plan because, number one, obviously you're getting a discount to the price, um, and if they have a look back, it presents you even more sort of, of a downside buffer, right? So if I can get yeah. the lowest price plus a 15% discount, then it makes investing in the stock more attractive because obviously I have sort of a downside protection here. Yeah, totally. And I know a lot of people, I don't know if you, you experienced this or not, but looking at ESPP and RSUs, the, the, the big difference is you have RSUs are sort of like free money, right? You're, yeah. you're not putting your money into the RSUs right. because the company grants them to you, but you're putting money into the ESPP. So, so I see a lot of, and maybe you do too, is people want to sell their ESPP because they put their money into it, Yeah. right? But sometimes that doesn't make sense. Totally. Right. And, and, and why, why would that be that sometimes that doesn't make sense? So, so there's a lot of tax implications. You know, again, like you said, without getting too much into the weeds, um, in ESPP, you know, again, there's, there's many variables that, that happen here. But, for example, in RSU, when it vests, it's already taxable that minute. So if I can turn around and sell the stock the same day that it vests, if I want to get rid of the stock per se – then there's no sort of additional tax implications from that moment. So a lot of times we'll, we'll, we'll use that um, and say, hey, like this is – if you want to get out of some of Apple, right, you want to diversify a little bit, the best place to take it is the stock that just vested um, because it's, you've already been taxed. Yeah. Right. Right. But there's honestly, there's a million scenarios. <laughs> and, and, and I'm sure you know, as I do, because, you know, I, we deal with a lot of tech clients at our firm um, that there is no very simple answer. Usually there's usually, you know, three or four strategies that we employ um, in addition to working with the client and their accountants and such to make sure we kind of get the most out of their money. Yeah, definitely. And and in in thinking about even incentivized stock options, uh, we see that a lot too. But I don't even think it's worth it to get into that. But out of all of them, that's <laughs> prob pro probably the most complicated tax wise. But Absolutely. I think what I think what's worth bringing up for sure is is you don't want to blindly sell if you know you want to get more diversified, which that's always our recommendation because yeah. we have these stories. You know, it goes both ways. You have these stories, concentration builds wealth, but diversification protects wealth, yeah. right? And so you, if you know you do want to sell some of your shares, like selecting specific lots to sell, specific, excuse me, picking specific shares to sell 
yeah. um, makes a huge difference. And why don't you touch on just like a couple of the other little strategies um, that you can do as well. And then we'll, we'll kind of move, move, move on from this because I know we could sit and talk about <laughs> all this stuff specifically for an hour. Are that strategies for diversification? Yeah, diversification. And even I know you've mentioned uh, like, you know, maybe hedging strategies super yeah. briefly before. Yeah. So, so kind of before, before we get into some of those, you know, there's, there's a lot of things that I like to ask my clients when I'm talking to them about the company stock that they own. Um, and, and, you know, we know very rarely is an answer simple. So I like to ask them, you know, what's your view of the company stock? You know, how do you see your role changing there? You know, what are these assets going to be used for? What's your exit strategy or, or how good will you feel if this, you know, would you be more concerned if the stock plummets in value or if you sold some and the stock sort of rockets up and you, and you missed out on the upside? Um, so, you know, there's a, there's a lot of questions I like to ask my clients before kind of giving them some of these strategies just to understand where they're coming from. Um, and, and what do you, what do you tip? Yeah. What do you see? So do the answer to these questions change when the stock is doing very well (laughs) versus when the stock is not doing very well? Yeah. How how do, how do the answer to those questions dramatically change? Yeah. I mean, honestly, I I do see that when the stock is doing well, people are sort of, you know, they have FOMO to the upside. Um, right now I feel like, you know, obviously we're in a weird environment right now with COVID and everything that's going on. So people are feeling a little more anxious and therefore are a little bit more, um, prone to saying, you know what, I do want to lock up some gains. I do want to make sure that I take money off the table because I'm sort of nervous about what's coming. Um, but I absolutely have seen clients who have, you know, tons of money in the stock and it goes up and they're just, you know, they're like, Oh, I don't want to sell. I don't want to sell. I, I, you know, the stock is doing so well. And then of course, if their trend reverses, then, you know, they're saying in the the opposite tune, which is, man, I should have sold more or, you know, this is, uh, this is terrible. I feel so bad. Like why, you know, I I wish you, I would have listened to you or I wish I would have listened to myself really. Um, (laughs) and kind of diversifying because diversifying is never a bad strategy. Um, you know, taking profits is, you know, okay. We're not allowed to say never ever, you know what I mean? So let me retract that for a second. That's fine. (laughs) Um, but, but it's not a bad idea to take profits because, you know, ultimately you are very concentrated in these positions if you work at these companies. So if I own, you know, 75% of my net worth in one stock and I take, you know, 20% off the table, am I going to be so upset if the stock keeps going up? No, you know, most of my net worth is still in that stock. So, you know, I took some, I locked in gains and I moved it to things that are a little bit safer uh, and, and more diversified, meaning in the safe way. You you hit the nail on the head, which is exactly what I was going to say is people too often have this all or none yeah. question, right? Like, oh, I'm going to sell it all. I'm going to sell when it hits a thousand. I'm going to sell yeah. it when it's here. I'm going to sell it where it's there. Like, you all probably heard of dollar cost averaging. I know we've talked about it um, on some of our other podcasts, but you can dollar cost average out of a position, right? So you take some profits like you're just talking about AL and just over yeah. time, um, you're able to just de-risk and you win no matter what. If the stock goes down, totally. great, you at least took some profits. If the stock goes up, great, you still own a bunch totally. of the stock. And, and I, and I want I you know, to express this to the, to the listeners is we're not – uh, you know, we're susceptible to this too in our own investment accounts. Um, and, and I do this also 
you know, I go, oh, God, why did I sell? And, and I kind of jokingly say, like, why did I sell? The stock keeps going up. But I, I always – I try to do it on my own and, and try to be disciplined. And then I try to enlist people like yourself, Ben, who are, are generally a good voice of reason uh, <laughs> to, to make sure that I am following the rules that I'm telling my clients because our money is emotional ultimately, right? Yep. And, um, you know, a, 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 another brief sort of return to my background, you know, my background is in psychology actually. I have a master's. Um, and, and I know how emotional money is and how emotions affect decision-making processes. So when it's my money, I'm much more emotional than when it's your money, Ben. Um, so, so I, 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 I seek help myself, even though I am a professional and I do this all the time. Yeah, definitely. No, it's so that's, that's what we use each other for. And that's why we work on a team. So, well, well, so, you know, we're, we've talked about all these tax implications yeah. um, of selling the stock and we know there's long-term gains or short-term gains, yeah. all this stuff. And um, wouldn't it be better if we could just avoid taxes altogether um, that'd be, that'd with be some of our investments? <laughs> and the good news is a lot of these tech companies have the ability to shelter way more in taxes then you realize, and uh, that's that's called the the mega backdoor Roth. Um, yeah. It it's a relatively new uh, new topic, or it's a relatively new offering of these tech companies. Not all offer it, but we're seeing it more and more often. And just to kind of give you the brief background of the the Roth IRA shortly, and just the Roth in general. Roth IRA was created in 1997. Any money you put into a Roth IRA. Um, you don't save any money on taxes right now, but it grows tax-free for the rest of your life. So if you're, uh, you're young, you have multiple years for um, your money to compound over time, um, putting some money in the Roth makes sense. Full disclosure myself, all of my retirement money that I save goes into, um, goes into the Roth. Now, maybe different depending on your situation. This is what you have us for. But Previously, if you you know if you're a single person, you make more than roughly one third, one hundred thirty thousand. Can't contribute to a Roth IRA, but you still can contribute to a Roth four hundred one k. But there are limitations, right? What 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 is AL the the maximum for the Roth four hundred one k right now? That you can contribute if a Roth four hundred one k yep. is nineteen thousand five hundred for an individual, not including yeah. the match that your company gives you. Yep. So. Let's say you're an amazing saver and um, you know, you're making a good amount of money from like all of your stock and all that stuff. You are limited to putting away 19,500 into your, typically you're um, only able to put 19,500 into your 401k and that can be Roth where you put after tax money that grows tax free or that can be traditional where you save money on taxes now. Um, but there is something called this mega backdoor Roth, okay? Uh, people hear that term and I think are immediately a little afraid of it. And to, to some degree, you need to be because you need to make sure you do it right. And um, here, here's how it works in a very brief and very quick way. And this is something you need to work with a financial advisor to implement to make sure it's done right. But you have this ability to contribute the maximum to your 401k of that 19500 And let's say you're at a company... Uh, like Facebook or Google, where I think they give you 50% of your contribution just back, right? So if you put 19.5, you get about 10,000 in a matching contribution, right? Correct. I think Facebook does it. I'm sure Google does that, but I'm, I, I think Facebook does that as well. 
Yeah, yeah. So Facebook does. I do know that, and you know Google. So, yeah. so you've so this there's thirty thousand roughly that's gone into your four hundred one k. You could contribute this twenty seven thousand additional um, into an after tax four hundred one k and convert it into a Roth, and that money, if done correctly, can grow tax free for the rest of your life, right? I, Amazing. I don't know about you, but yeah. I love tax free for the rest of my life. <laughs> No, right? I, I think they're. I, I want to change the name of the Roth I, uh, Roth four hundred one k or IRA to the Dunbar. Uh, as many times <laughs> as I've heard you um, tout this tout this thing to everybody, and it's true, it's it's amazing. I mean, if I can never pay taxes again on my money, I mean, who wouldn't want that? <laughs> totally. And people make and a, people make the bet. Oh, I'm going to be in a higher tax bracket, or I'm going to be in a lower tax bracket. And and there's two things that happen. One is I. I just want to hedge my risk. Like I know what taxes are now. I know what it is. And if I can have that money grow tax-free, I'll just take it now and deal with it now. But also behaviorally, just how people look at money and how people think about money. When they look at their balance in their 401k and they look at a traditional 401k versus a Roth 401k, they look at dollars in the 401k. How much do I have in here? I have a hundred grand in here or I have 50 grand in here, right? That's, That's what they see. But when that money is in a Roth, it is worth substantially more, right? Yep. And so just totally. even behaviorally kind of for savings there. So a lot of these tech companies and more companies are offering this mega backdoor Roth. Um, even if your company doesn't offer it, you may have the ability to take advantage of it yourself. Obviously happy to chat on that. But this is something do not go and implement in a silo. You want to make sure it's done correctly. <laughs> yeah. So um, we're going to talk about the next time um, probably – just a full deep dive on all of the stuff regarding Roth because there's a lot of flexibility regarding your um, Roth yeah. accounts as well. And yeah, and I, and I even see that you know most of my clients they understand that they have RSUs, they understand ESPP, and they may not even know that the this you know after what they call the after tax contributions it, you know is sort of the technical thing they call it within the companies. We'd like to yeah. call it mega backdoor Roth because it sounds like some kind of superhero. Um, but, uh, but most of them don't even know it exists. And the ones that do know it, that exists have no idea how it works. Um, because they're like, Oh, I don't understand. I I contribute more. I already contributed to my 401k. They match. It's just, it's very confusing. So this is the definitely a huge benefit that I see from a lot of my clients in the tech space that is being underutilized. Yeah, that I I agree a hundred percent. That is the number one area we see underutilized. Yeah. So, yeah. so with so with that, we, we just got a few minutes here. But why don't we talk about a lot of the kind of additional benefits we get from tech companies and, and where we can save some money on taxes today? I know I love the Roth, but there are some abilities <laughs> to save money on taxes today as well. Yeah, totally. And again, remember with the four hundred one k, you can always do the normal four hundred one k for the nineteen five, and then the match, yeah. and then the Roth for the other. So you kind of get the best of both worlds. Totally. Um, but yeah, you know, there are a couple other benefits um, that are becoming more and more prevalent now um, for, again, just the, the arms race of benefits within the tech companies. Um, so the, the two that I see the most often now are this HSA and a- FSA. Um, a lot of people confuse them, number one, because their acronyms are very close. Um, but <laughs> there's some similar benefits there as well. But the HSA is the health savings account. Um, which is designed to help people pay for medical bills. Um, the HSA is very interesting. Um, first of all, you have to have what's called a high deductible plan. 
um, which is about 1350 uh, for a single person deductible or 2700 for a couple. Um, honestly, almost every plan I see now is high deductible. So I feel yeah, like me you're, too. <laughs> you're pretty safe now. Um, <laughs> and so there's a $3,500 limit, $3,550, I think, for each person um, to contribute to this. So the, the thing that's unique about the HSA is it's one of the only things that I like to call, that what we call triple tax exempt if used correctly. Okay, so what that means is, I get if I put thirty five fifty into this account, I get a tax deduction for that money. So I don't pay taxes on that money. Then, if I use that money for any qualified medical expenses, and that could be you know you know medications, that could be you know hospital visits, whatever that be, um, it is not taxed when I take that money out. Um, and then additionally. If I invest that money, it's growing at, at a tax-deferred rate as well. So, so ultimately, it's really the only thing out there that has this kind of status. Um, triple tax-free, baby. Triple tax-free, Ben. And again, I know, I know of all people, you are the one who loves this. Um, <laughs> so, so it is highly beneficial for people to use it because of the nature of, again, not paying taxes on anything. And, and on top of that, well, people go, okay, well, if I put money into an HSA, you know, maybe I'm not going to use all that money for, for medical expenses. And, and honestly, I hope you never do. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it also can sort of morph into a retirement account as well, um, if need be. So if you don't use the money, um, you, can, you can hold off until you're 65, continue to invest it, continue to grow it. Um, and then at that time, at 65, you can take that money out to use for whatever you want without penalty. So, yeah. so it, it's, a, it's a huge benefit. Um, and, and Ben, you tell me, I, I've been seeing a lot more of this recently. Um, I don't know about you. Yeah, see it a lot more. And a lot of it was with the young people. So, yeah. um, you know, AI, I don't know if we can still call you young or not. I'm always a little confused on that. Um, <laughs> I, 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 I'm approaching 30, so that's scaring me. But but I've seen a lot of these young clients who don't have large medical expenses are stashing money in their yeah. HSA, and they're and they're not even using it this year, yeah. right? Even if they do have some medical expenses, it's they can invest it. Yeah, we, we build an allocation for it because you totally. have the ability for it to grow. So not only yeah. do you put money into it and get the deduction, like you have to invest it to utilize yeah. it. So definitely seeing that way more. And and I just I I think about. You know, if this major medical expense comes in the future, it will it will be yeah. nice to have this pool of money that's just put away during 100%, that percent, Yeah, and and let's be you know in the times that we're living in now, um, you know, the medical thinking about medical expenses is more front of mind than and it's ever been before for people, especially even young people, right? Because even young people are scared of getting COVID. Um, yep. You know, even though we're not as susceptible as older people, and I'm gonna I'm still gonna count myself as young, Ben. Um, if I'm not in the target demographic, uh, you know, 50 and over, uh, I'm going to call myself young. I'm 38, Fair FYI, enough. for everybody. Um, but, uh, but it is, and you cannot, you know, you don't have to contribute every year. You know, if you built up, you yep. know, 50 grand in your HSA, great, you know, let it, let's keep growing it. And then we can always move your money to other areas. Definitely. Um, um yeah. and then yeah. why, why don't you talk just very briefly on, on the FSA, because yeah. I, I, I feel, I don't know, correct me if you feel differently, but I feel like this one kind of confuses people even a little bit more for whatever reason. And it's a totally. little bit less common. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, FSA I'm seeing more recently. 
Um, it is more confusing to people because, again, they, they kind of mix it up with the HSA. So FSA means flexible spending account. So while you can't – so, again, it has it also has a limit. It's about 2600 2650 a year um, to do this. And you can use it for medical expenses also, which is why I think people confuse it with HSAs. But in addition, you have things like transportation costs and parking and things like that that you can use. So, again, you get a tax deduction for putting this money in. So a lot of people – um, you know, especially you live in a city like San Francisco, you're using, you're riding public transit to get to and from work. You know, they give you an allocation and some companies will even just give you an allocation without you having to do anything, um, yeah. for this money. And if you put money in, it's a deduction again. So it, it's less prevalent, but it's becoming more prevalent, um, and, and something to, to think about. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So Oh, so sorry, one we, other thing, the one other yeah, difference please. in this one that's a little bit uh, more challenging than HSA is it, most of the time it's a if you don't use it, you lose it uh, kind of thing. So it, it's, it's ironically named as a flexible spending account. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I never thought about that actually until you said that. Yeah, but yeah that's funny. So, so yeah, flexible. most of the time it, it's a use it or lose it. Sometimes a company will grant you sort of a small rollover of $500 or something like that. Yeah, got it. Yeah. So – so with with that, I I want to want to end today just talking a little bit about just some donation strategies and and super quickly and we're probably gonna have to do a whole another segment on this but um totally. this year twenty so p- people talk about you know hey I want to give back a lot of people are going through tough times right now um and you know you have a bunch of different nonprofits that you you can donate to um but there's a bunch of different strategies that you can utilize so first and foremost this year. Okay, you can donate $300 anywhere. You get a tax deduction no matter what. So first and foremost, make sure you track that $300 of donations that um, you're giving. And then number two is a lot of these companies, especially these big tech companies, they offer matching um, donations. So if you want to donate money, you potentially get a tax deduction. It depends um, on if you take the standard deduction or not. But Companies like Google, they'll offer you a matching donation. And so, hey, if you get a tax deduction, right? So that saves you potentially a couple thousand dollars and they match you. It's like you're taking three, potentially just a couple thousand turns into five, six thousand that goes to these organizations. And there's some other strategies too that we've worked with our clients on, um, like called donor advised funds. If you have huge gains in your stock right so if you have stock that you have at amazon that you've had for seven years if you have a company that ipo'd and you have incentive stock options that are low you have these huge gains that you have to pay taxes on you have the ability to put this money into a donor advised funds diversify and donate but again there's a lot of complications that go along with this so um don't implement this one on your own it's uh it's pretty complicated but there there's a lot of a lot of good ideas and and it's it's cool, you know. I know a lot of these tech companies can get a bad rap, and some some uh, are worse than others. And and I'll I'll let I'll let people make their opinion of <laughs> of what they think. I there's one tech company that I have in mind in my head that will not be named. That I think uh, I think we all have I think people yeah I think people have pretty good reason to be mad at the company. But uh, a lot of these companies are offering really good benefits, and um, with that. Um, we'll, we'll close it out here. AL, um, thanks. Thanks for being on today. It was awesome to hear, hear your perspective on, thanks, on the stock options it. and stock stuff. Thank um, you. 
So as always, uh, feel free to follow us on Twitter, Gerber Kawasaki. My Twitter handle is Ben uh, underscore Dunbar GK. You can email AL. It's A-Y-A-L at GerberKawasaki.com or Ben at GerberKawasaki.com. If you have any questions, um, this came from this conversation came from us seeing this on a daily basis. So if you ever have any ideas, things you want to hear about, obviously let us know and feel free to reach out if you have any questions and thanks for tuning in today. Awesome. Thanks for having me, Ben.